Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you, sir? Hello, sir, Alan, of the round table. Did you see I was actually playing that? That's pretty good. I totally believe you have that skill. I do sports. I'm I'm doing good today. I as I was driving into our to our complex here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters. See the new gates out front. I did. Yeah. Is that to keep the riffraff out? We tried to keep you out, but it didn't work. No, it. Oh. It's a. It's the riffraff. No, they want us. It's a riffraff. Yeah. We're we're what makes this place money. Yeah. Yeah. We're the on. We're the we're the fat and sassy on air talent. Fat and sassy anyway, yes. Yeah. And yeah. we're on air. Yeah. That's what we're the we're the money makers. We're the money makers. That's yes. what I that's yeah, what I said. That's what I it, came here to shake today. So what yeah. <laughs> I apologize. I will not do that. Not for any amount of money. Hold on, I'm sticking this Q tip into my ear so uh, I can kill whatever. that part of my brain that heard that. Jeez. Um you know what? It was didn't seem like it was that long ago that we were talking about is sunny and it's nice and temperate. And today is a is, not so much. It's a how would you describe the weather today in Indianapolis? Um, dank and rainy and December. Dreary. Dreary. Yeah. Yeah. But not a cool December. Like hey, it's gonna snow. No. Just like December, you suck on it, ice. It's like a insert one day of February into December day. Yeah. 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 Not co- not that cold, but. Still kind of gross. Like no sun. Yeah. yeah. Lots of clouds. Black hole sun. Yeah. Dreary. Yes. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah, it is a great song. Mm. But it but it gives you the same impression. I I could use some sunshine. I think is what we're both trying to say. Alan, I, I think we all can use some sunshine. <laughs> like deep in our hearts, don't I, you feel? I think we get some later this week. So I'm holding on to that feeling. I have um I have some in a bottle here. Yeah. It's it's really lemon Whatever flavored it rum, but it, it that's sunshine Whatever to me. Well, you know the label. Yeah. has a sun on it. It has a sunny, yeah. And the sun is actually is a lemon. Yeah. So it, it fits. <laughs> kind mm. of drunk. Drunk lemon. Yeah, that's yeah. how lemons do. <laughs> well, well, hey, Mark, we're, we're here. Uh, why are we here? What are we doing today? I don't know. This is a special episode. It is. It is. Mm. We're doing a season six recap before we move on into season seven. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I can't even believe that we're at on the on the precipice of going to season seven i mean on on the books there are 12 episodes left i think we will produce technically 13 because of the the, the last double, episode is a double right, episode right. like a double whammy another 53 minute Holy job cow. like yeah. we just did yep. uh, which was huge here at the end of season six so now is a good time for us to kind of recap what's what's come before this right uh, just the season i think when we're said and done with the whole thing we might do a series recap but today we're just going to talk about season six and uh, get everybody excited for season seven yeah and season six was not only was it a, a season of of growth for the characters in the show but man I mean, just here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters, we we invited, uh, I think at one point we invited Marbucks Coffee. Yes. And then that just fell through and it got bought out by Arbucks Coffee. So now we drink pirate coffee every day, which I was quite frankly against. Yeah. Gotta say, I like it. I like it. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Sauce or no sauce. I kind of like it. Um, We we learned um, in the the booth there. Yes. had some troubles. Yeah, we learned about the giant delete button that we have no idea why it was put into place. Like, I think that was installed in the 70s. Clearly. I think. Yeah. It, and, and I don't know why, but whoever... You've seen Lost, right? Yeah. It, it, the control booth kind of reminds me of, the, of Lost. Oh, holy cow. Like 1960s industrial engineering. Yeah, the yeah, giant yeah. 
uncovered kill switch. I'm Why? Not, I'm not convinced. We that don't have a smog monster. I, well, I don't know that. It's we your don't. nickname. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Con- I'm not sure that someplace in this building it's not steampunk. It, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Oh, holy cow! Wow. Constantine's engaged. I, I don't even know what to think about that. Yeah. Harvey's still very upset. Yeah. They, they bought competing food trucks. I mean, it's just been a whirlwind. You know what? Like a lot of things, Mark, I'm for a lot of reasons, mm. I'm looking forward to the new year. I feel like... I am too. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll functionally kind of be doing most of season seven in the new year. Yeah. And then we're done. Yeah. I like to think of it as a cleansing fire. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. 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 Thankfully, we didn't have that. No, we didn't have a no. cleansing fire. We, we just had the normal one that we needed the fire extinguisher for. But, you know, we had yes. one. And we didn't start the fire, Mark. That's what Billy Joel told me. That's, that's what's what, important. That, that's what Billy Joel is there for. He's there to start the fire. He is the piano man. Mm. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark, you want to mm. get into this thing? I think we're about ready to do so. Yeah. Let's get into the thing. So what are we doing today? How are we doing this? Yeah, I, I know you, you, you and uh, Harvey put a lot of work into the breakdown for today. We put a lot of work into it. What, uh, here's what we think. We yeah. think that um, what we will do is uh, we will do a recap, as per the name of the, of the episode, of yeah. all... I'd be disappointed if we didn't. That's right. And so, uh, I mean, technically, I think, like, according to Peacock... Um, we are NBC. You know, we had 22 episodes. Yep. You could consider it 20 because the season premiere and season finale were double whammy episodes. But right. we're going to go through all of those yep. quickly, and you know, we're going to talk about like how the season six compares to others. Like I know season three was a, a huge one, um, and you know, season five was really close behind. So yep. how does this compare to it? And how do our scores compare? How many times do we take a swing at each other across the table because our yep. scores are so different? And um, we also have a couple of, um, I thought, interesting uh, interviews that I know you know about as well. Um, one is with uh, Rashida Jones and Retta, oh, like nice. right when season six was about to start. Oh, yeah. And then there's one that Alan Sepinwall had with Mike Shore after season six had ended. Oh, okay. So I thought those would be an interesting pair of interviews to go yeah, into. Yeah, some nice bookends. A nice bookends. There yeah. you go. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I love it. Well, let's get into it. I think we're kicking off with our in-depth analysis, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. So what we have here in front of us is we have a, a, a listing of episodes. And uh, I thought you and I uh, you and I work so well as a team, Alan. I thought we'd take turns reading uh, the, the, the stuff here. Um, so you go first. I go first. You go first. I dare you. All right. Or actually, I'm, you know what we should do first? We should talk about, like, what do you think thematically, like, really stood out for season six? I mean, there's a lot of new stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard not to remember the stuff at the end right. first. The triplets. we've been so focused on Leslie's it. new job. The time jump. Grizzle. Right. Tom's bistro. Tom's bistro. Um, season six, the big arc for me was obviously the Unity concert. Yeah. I think... Early in the season, they introduced the idea. It, 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 it was reminiscent for me of season three uh, with, you know, little Sebastian and Harvest and, Festival. And Harvest Festival. Yeah. It's like the big thing that we're all going to work together as a team to make happen and um, put unnecessary amounts of pressure on each other to make sure it goes well <laughs> uh, in a funny way. That's right? a big one. Yeah, it, it is. 
But it's also basically, you know, the storyline where Leslie is now out of city council. Yeah. What is she going to do as a private individual? Yeah. Is she coming back to parks? If so, what's she going to do there? What is different? What's changed while she was away? I mean, those were all themes that we saw this season. Right. And I, I think in some of the past seasons, I think they flirted with the idea of, you know what, Leslie is going to eventually have higher aspirations, but they didn't hit it that hard. This time they really started to say, you know what, what's next? What's next for Leslie? No. Yeah. Um, and which I think was was exacerbated by her being recalled off of city council. And uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, Alan, I think it was Jennifer Barkley that thanks to Ben that came across and said, screw these people. Like you go bigger. You're you, you can do better. She said uh, they're monsters and uh, they are you, know, monsters. you deserve better. So that's right. Th- that was Ben's gift to her was this, you know, one hour consultation with Jennifer at a very high expense. Right. But clearly totally worth it. And I would say a game changer for Leslie. I I think that's true. Um, Ben gets fired from Sweetums, takes over as city manager. Uh, Let's see. Tom sells, successfully sells, rent a swag for a profit. Oh, yeah. And then starts Tom's Bistro. Um, Oh, Ron gets married. Oh, well, that at the very Jeez. beginning and, and it has is became a father, including one of his own. Yeah, that's kids. true. By the end of the season, he'd had uh, John. John. Yes. John Swanson. Yeah, John Swanson. Love it. Hello, I'm John Swanson. Uh, <laughs> April uh, uh, became director of animal control. Yes. Yeah. Some growth for April. Maybe not so much for Andy, although he's on this path to become somewhat famous as a children's performer. Go figure. Having giving up the rock and roll lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Right. Other than that, like I was kind of wondering, like, what are you doing, dude? Sh- yeah. Former shoeshine guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're Johnny Karate now. Yeah. Um, obviously, Ann and Chris end up moving away halfway through, and Ann is pregnant and has yep. their kid. Um, Jerry retired, kind of. Kind of. A little bit around the edges. But he's still there all the time. He's still because <laughs> they need a whipping boy. They do need apparently. A boy. Yes. Um. Donna uh, got in the serious relationship with Joe. Yep. She opened Regal Meagle Realty. Realty, yeah. At least I think she did. She did because she helped sell the Swanson cabin. Oh, that's right. Because right, he had right. a plethora of cabins. He needed to get rid of one. That's right. Yeah. Geolocation finally disclosed. Finally <laughs> disclosed. Oh, and, and uh, Ron uh, set up, I think, an important plot point when he realized that the third floor needed refurbishing. Mm. He did it in in Swanson esque, you know, good right. good fashion, and it got used. Then finally, right? It's going to be the place where we're going to like see most of season seven occur. Right. National yeah. Park Service is the new yep. headquarters. Yep. Instead of Chicago, yep. so yeah, yeah, huge cost savings. <laughs> it has to be immense, and you know what? Free Wi Fi. Free Wi Fi from Grizzle. That's right. Yeah. You can watch your your tunes Grizzle dump. So I'm the Maverick. <laughs> the return of Cones of Dunshire. Oh yes. Yeah, and Barney Varm, which we uh, really love. Yes. Well, the introduction, the introduction, the introduction, the new inter- word, the introduction uh-huh. to Cones of Dunshire, and then it finally coming back. Well, that's true. We bookended Cones of Dunshire this yeah. season. That's a great point. It's I, fantastic. You, you forget that it only occurred here so late, and then you know, now it's gone. Or is it? We'll see. We'll see in season seven. Dot dot dot. It's all about the cones. It's all about the cones. That's what we do now. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about we start then with? Um, Alan, why don't you start us off with our super duper yep. double, double size a season premiere? Let's do it. Is a London? Yeah, season six, episodes one and two, or London's part one and two. 
So there were basically, and I think the way you looked at this episode, you, you'd identified four key themes, four right. stories. I, I combined two of the stories into one, and I came up with three. But in general, these were the four we had. We had Leslie's Recall Fight, right. was your title for that. Mine was uh, the Clash's song, London Recalling, <laughs> which I, I enjoyed doing. Uh, this is where Leslie wins the award from the International Coalition of Women in Government. Right. She goes to Europe to accept it. Her speech is broadcast everywhere. And it's the speech in which she actually slams Pawnee, of yeah. course, and she's not expecting them to be watching. And at the end, April makes her feel better about why Leslie does what she does. Right. It's not for the accolades. It says because that's who she is. That's and who and she it is. came from April, which makes it even more, I think, touching in a way. I think so. Yeah, because if, if April can see it, Leslie should be able to see and it. And I think April was the one that submitted her in the first place. April's the one who submitted her for the rec- uh, for the consideration. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Legacy of Lord Fancy Face. I'm going with your title. That's now. my title. That. Yes. <laughs> this is where Ben and Andy go to Europe uh, to meet with the potential Sweetums benefactor, Lord Fancy Face, uh-huh. uh, who Andy asked to stay behind and help him, oddly enough, and, and maybe film Gardens of the Galaxy or something like that. We don't know for certain. <laughs> I'm Star Lord. He's Star Lord. Yes. And uh, and uh, uh, Lord Fancy Face was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was. He's also Briefly. the Tick. And he's also the Tick. Yes, That's he right. is. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mind blown. And my, my title for this one was, was "Should I Stay or Should I Go?" I think this is the class yeah, theme. Yeah, for yeah, me yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Our, our third theme was Ron's European vacation, where uh, this is where Ron proposes to Diane and marries her. Ron goes to Europe. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's She's, going to do that for the love of his life. Right. She's it, sick and stays home. Wah, wah. Yeah, wah, wah. But Ron goes anyway and hates it, of course. Of course, it's Europe. Until, Until. he finds that through Leslie's gift to him, he takes this little trip off to an island on the coast of Scotland that hosts the Lagavulin Distillery. Ah, yeah. The Promised Land. The Promised Land. Yes. That's right. And our fourth and final theme from episodes one and two was Rent-A-Swag 2.0. Tom finds out that Dr. Saperstein, of course, is the owner of the competitor's Tommy's Closet, who has, you know, put himself directly across the street in order to ruin him. What a bastard. He is kind of a bastard. Uh, And becomes his nemesis. And Tom struggles with how to continue uh, on with this new competition. Right. So, Mark, you gave this episode, uh, we both gave it two different scores. We both gave it 9.5 for part one and 10.0 for part two. I think that was as close as I, I think it broke the Mark rubric. So I had to like. You get like 112 I, or something. I had to scramble because it yeah. was just, I mean, you can, if you combine it, it's almost impossible to give it an accurate score because it's, it's fantastic. It is. And it's interesting. Hold that thought, right? Because our theme today seems to be about bookends. Right. Hold that thought. Right. Mark, what would uh, we do in episode three? All right. Episode three, the Pawnee Eagleton tip-off classic. Oh, yeah. Well, we had three stories on this. One was, uh, I called it, no money, mo problems. Because <laughs> um, that's the way I roll. Um, so Eagleton clearly has a big budget problem on account of they just spend, 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 and they yeah. don't know when to stop. And yeah. oh, That's weird. Um, they wear sweatpants to hide it, but yeah. <laughs> and they, they need help now to kind of figure out what in the heck they're going to do about their budget. And I think this is like the episode where Leslie officially proposes, I think that Eagleton needs to be dissolved. Yep. And reabsorbed into Pawnee. Like yeah. this is the the, the way God the, the origin yeah. of all that. Yes. Right. Yep. And then the next one is uh, I think where Ron sees that the internet's knows who he is, and oh, he's he like, didn't care for that. and he's what is the hell is the going on here? Yeah. And Tom and Donna 
very tech savvy, yes. are like, you know, Ron, this, this is what happens. Like, nope, you two help me to get off the grid. And it doesn't work so well because then on account of Diane can't reach him and, you know. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. So Maybe new Ron can't live quite the way old Ron wanted to. I think that's where he got his ridiculous flip phone. I think you're too. right. And then With the, the belt clip. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And Tom couldn't even look at him anymore. No. And then finally, um, the last one is where Anne and April, an odd pairing, uh, take a road trip to Bloomington. Because oh, we yeah. had learned that April had become uh, uh, accepted in IU's School of Vet, Vet Medicine. Yeah, which and, it didn't have. But yeah. 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 Purdue does. Purdue does. Purdue's awesome. Yeah. And then Whatever. so, and then that kind of went a weird way because on account of April doesn't like she Anne. She didn't care and, for that. Yeah. And then she decided not to do it. Yeah, I was disappointed for her at that point. Well, I thought it was an interesting new direction, and then yeah. they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go forward with it. Well, which is interesting because I think that's happens in real life. That never happens in real <laughs> life. Yeah, that happens all the time. In real it happens life. all the time. Anyway, Ellen, you and I both scored that eight point zero. Yeah, solid episode. Not their best, but definitely not their worst. No, and again, I think we talked about the patterns of, you know, preparation, and you kind of. You spell it all out in one episode. You need a break on the next episode. Right. It just makes sense. Right, right. Yeah. How about episode four? Episode four was doppelgangers. And of course, this is where the gang meet their Eagleton counterparts. Mm. And I believe that was actually the title of, of your of your A story. That's right. Uh, I went a little bit different and I called mine Cool Run and the Sugar Train. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we met not only Ron Dunn, yes. but that we met. Tennifer. Tennifer. And it's also Craig. where we got introduced to Craig. Yes. Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. They were, the, the, they were a crazy bunch of folks, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, our B story was the adventures of the auditing bros. This is kind of funny where Chris and Ben basically team up like they used to in the old days. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, with this merger, they have a new opportunity to go in and slash some budgets. And uh, this time it's for Eagleton, though. Right, right. And uh, they didn't take all that well to the budget slashing. They, I think they you, like their hors d'oeuvres and uh, haughty toughy. I think you and I realized here recently, as a matter of fact, that this story is why we know that Ben yep. never never met Ron Dunn right. when he later we meets him. We figured that out later. Yeah. Yes. We also learned that Ben had the nickname Mr. Buttons. Which first calculator? First calculator. Yeah, it would be ridiculous for him to be. He wasn't Mr. Button. No, that would be dumb. Wouldn't he like Drawford the budget slasher or some middle evil? Come here, peasant. Who are you? (laughs) Who are you? Yes. No. No. What was the C story? And Mark, our C story was of moving away, where we basically learned that Anne and Chris will be moving away. I'm not sure it's the first time we learned it. I think we've known maybe for an episode, but this is where Leslie learns that Chris and Anne will be leaving Pawnee. And she does right. not take it all that well. She does not take it well. No, no, no. Uh, I, I, you gave this a seven point five. Yeah, boo. You were pretty grumpy about boo, this episode. Boo, as I recall. Boo, boo, I was only slightly less grumpy with an eight point oh. I think I think I loved the doppelgangers concept. Yeah, and for me, unfortunately, the rest of the episode just fell flat. Yeah. The A story is strong, B story, C story, eh, not so much. Right. Yeah, we, right. we've seen that a few other times, and we'll, I'm sure we'll come across a few more of those. Right. Mark, how about uh, episode five? Episode five was an interesting one because it has a, a phrase that I don't think I ever heard of before is gin it up. I was unfamiliar with this too. Right. But right. I've adopted it since, and it works great. Nice. Yes. Um, so the, the, we had three stories in this one. Um, the, the first one, the A story, I called uh, Twitter Watergate. <laughs> 
which I think they used in the actual episode. They did, yes. Basically, you know, Jam's trying to slam Leslie as best he can because he wants her to get recalled, blah, 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 so any bad press is what he's trying to do. Right. And apparently Donna Donna sent out a spicy tweet on the official Parks and Rec Twitter account. By accident. And things kind of snowballed when they find out that Donna's actually slamming Leslie on her private one. Yes. So, you know, but they they end up patching it up. This is where we had uh, Bitch Boss and Boss Bitch. That's right. Which had totally different meanings. Yes. Which I I actually thought was kind of clever. I I did too. Um, The B story uh, I called Tom Without Borders because that dude needs some borders. Holy crap. We get a visiting daughter. Daughter? A visiting doctor. <laughs> she is someone's daughter, in fairness. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Her father was also a doctor. <laughs> and and Nadia Stasky, who's played by Tatiana Maslany yep. from uh, Orphan Black. Love. And, and She-Hulk, and, which we and, don't and want to talk about. She-Hulk, which is amazing. And and uh, Tom is, like, really uh, impressed by her because on account of she's a doctor and she's real pretty and stuff. Yeah. And um, yes. he wants to... Uh, and snarky. She's snarky in a really cute way for Tom. Right, right. Yeah. And so he thinks, uh, well, clearly she's out of my league. What will I do? I know I will adopt a fake British accent yeah, because that makes sense. I've watched TV. That never fails. Never. It failed. So, <laughs> the, the, so the, the, the C story is... Um, Ben, at a certain point, convinces Ron, who is now married, who yeah. is now a father, to go to lawyer Trevor Nelson, mm. love that guy, uh, to create a will. Yeah. And Ron is rather resistant to do that. Fair, fairly um, said. So, Alan, I gave this an 8.0, and you gave this an 8.5. Mm. Not bad. Not bad. I think we've started to sense a little bit of recovery at this point. Yeah. Yeah. How about episode six? Episode six was filibuster. Uh, I love your A story name. Filibust a move. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Young uh, MC. Yep. Uh, I like that. Here, Leslie filibusts a bill allowing someone to vote only if they have an official Pawnee address. Very sneaky. Good summary. Yeah. Our B story was unable to bear Nadia leaving. Bear. Because on account yeah, bear B A trying to E R trying to, trying no, to B- win it, win I spell that B A no it's B E A R the correct the one oh, bear yeah yeah like cocaine bear bear that one <laughs> and we bear bears yeah yeah they're the same show yeah <laughs> this one's for kids cocaine bear silly rabbit for kids yeah <laughs> so as a going away present Nadia challenges Tom to win her a stuffed bear while playing skee ball. I think right. a lot of this takes place at the roller rink. If I'm right, not right, right. Yeah. Because Ben's uh, having his birthday party. He was having his birthday party there. Yes. Wyatt men. Wyatt Ben can't jump. That I like that. That's classic. That was classic. Yeah. And then our C story was Ron under the gun, and Ron be- becomes infuriated when yeah. he has trouble with a shooting arcade game that Donna is clearly much better at. Right. And then he has to drag her out how to show her to show her how to shoot real guns, which she is also pretty good at. She's yeah. good at it, but then Ron sits there and goes, "I still want to go back and beat he that damn machine." He could not stop thinking about the machine version. Yeah, yes. yeah, pretty funny. Uh, Mark, you gave this episode a nine. Yeah. And I gave this an 8.5. That's right. That's right. Yep. What was, uh, what was up next, Mark? Up next, recall vote. Well, A story is recall this fartwads. That's why I said, just because they used that in the episode. Leslie, unfortunately, it's time to pay the piper. 
the recall election occurs and she loses big time. Yeah, not great. And this is where Ben tries to uh, boost her spirits because she's really having a tough time with it. They both get really drunk, almost get tattoos, <laughs> and has to rescue both of them. It, it was pretty good. Um, it didn't that have one of the Lurpuses in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Herman Lurpus. Herman, yes. Like, you know, I love nitrous and let's do this. I know this is a pawn shop, but you want tattoos? I, yeah, I do tattoos, too. It's fine. Oh, my God. It's fine. Um, the the B story I called Bloosh. There it is, because this is where uh, uh, Bloosh author Annabelle Porter ah, yes. has said that Ron's chair is like the thing of the thing, like this thing of the week or whatever. And so of the moment uh, or and, and so they go on Pawnee today and, and then he's invited to the Bloosh after party. And Tom basically wants to springboard off of Ron's presence uh, 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 you know, indirectly to be close to Annabelle Porter to say you got to, you know, hype Tom, uh, not Tom's Bistro, rent a swag. Because at this point, he wasn't really sure, like, if he was going to be able to beat Tommy's no. Closet or if he was going to be beat into submission. I think Tommy's Closet had just opened, but the the, the uh, early days, was it was not a good sign for him. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And then finally was kind of a throwaway sea story, I thought. I called April's Hollow. Halloween. Nice. Basically, April really misses Starlord. I mean, Andy, <laughs> and and is in the you know London helping Lord Fancy Face there. Yeah. And Chris sees that you know, Anne is or Anne, April is sad and tries to. I am scaring you. And he tries to scare her and cheer her up, and it it, it don't really work. work. Yeah. So that anyway, I really like this episode. I gave it my my second nine point zero in a row. You you gave it a seven point five. Because you're just so, so wrong. Although you did make an interesting note, I remember, I that you would you ran the gamut on this, depending if, on if it was a standalone, if you watched it back-to-back -back with Filibuster, yeah. or even if even if they made this like a long, double-sized episode, like the season premiere, right. Right. that you would think about it differently, which I thought was interesting. But your official on-the-books score, I think, was 7.5. 7 one of my lowest scores of the season. Which, by the way, yeah. this is also the introduction of, I think, the largest scoring gap like We've you and I had. have ever had. Yeah. We've never exceeded a point. Yeah. We almost packed it up. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do we now? had a good run. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I stand by my score. <laughs> what? How about, tell me about episode eight. Episode eight, Mark, was fluoride. Mm. Mark, we had three storylines in fluoride. Uh, you titled the A story Flame Duck. Which I, I was like. not creative. Uh, mine was uh, <laughs> Silence of the Lames. That's even better. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, that episode or that storyline was about, uh, you know, as one of her last acts on city council, because Leslie's kind of going out, wants to go out with the bang, right? She's, she's trying she's to. Going, she's doing her best. Too. Right, right. She tries her best to get fluoride into Pawnee's water supply mm -hmm. only to get, you know, fluoride jam. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Great well, because on account of he's a dentist. So yeah, because it, it's his livelihood. He doesn't want no fluoride in there. I could almost see his point on this one. I mean, from a I mean, selfish, Jeremy awful, jam, awful, yeah. awful, awful person perspective, yes. absolutely. Well, in that case, I, I see all of his points. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's right on. Our B story was called Crib Notes uh, for you, and I think mine was Return of the Death Crib. <laughs> <laughs> the crib that eats people. Yeah, baby mama, too. That was it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that where Chris finds a crib that he bought was recalled. He's yeah. horrified. Yeah. And uh, turns to Ron about how to maybe make his own crib. Right. Which, you know— it's a nice idea, but 
he may not be the best student for Ron. In fact, I'm not sure anybody's a good student for Ron. No. 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 I mean, unless you stand in the back and simply watch. Which is about what if he should have allowed, yes. You should watch instead of talk. Yes. <laughs> Here's some alcohol. It will block the words from coming out. Sorry. <laughs> Put it in your mouth hole. Yeah. Um, your, your sea story title, which I love, was Barks and Recreation. Right. Yes. April, Donna, and Craig come up with a fun game pairing members of the Parks Department with their spirit dog. Which right. we later see them change into, Leslie lamely attempts to change into spirit, spirit kangaroos. kangaroos later. But uh, actually, this was a, kind of a cute episode. Uh, we both gave this an 8.5. I think we also found out that Donna really has a spirit cat. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cause which, which, which stymied April at first. April took the, like, the easy way out with Donna and kind of insulted her and kind of showed that she maybe wasn't as invested in their relationship as Donna was in her knowledge of April. Right. And then April did some had some making up to do. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Episode nine. Cones of Dunshire. Da, da, oh, da. yeah. So we got three stories. I, I like how you saved this one for yourself. Way to go. Yeah, that's a, a good one on account of I get it. Uh-huh. Um, so the A story, this is the final uh, confrontation that that Leslie has with Councilman Jeremy Jam. And basically... In her current role. That's a great point. In yeah. her current role as still barely on city council. Yeah, She's about to day. get kicked yeah, off. Right, day. right. Yeah. So the deal is that Pawnee Commons, which, you know, sprang from Lot 48, yeah. which sprang from The Pit... pit. It has had its money set aside in a discretionary fund. And Leslie goes, no, 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 that ain't good enough. I need it to go to a lockbox. So it's absolutely guaranteed to be used for this. Right. And that was the, the like the, the the source of the whole fight. Yep. And I think Leslie wanted to do this because she was trying to in vain do some grand gesture that maybe would make Anne Want to stay not move away. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's misguided but kind of understandable yeah. in a pathetic way yeah. for Leslie. Yeah. Um B story Ron is essentially decided now that he is married and a father. Yeah. He doesn't need seven cabins anymore. So he's or two. 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 There was actually two, two cabins yeah. looking straight at the camera. Two cabins. So he's selling the other one, which is also has like perimeter defenses against bears and Love stuff. It. Probably yeah. not safe for kids. And he enlists the help of Regal Meagle Realty. Yeah. And Tom. Yeah, they're going to split that commission. Yeah, they're going to split the, the their commission there. And he didn't like all the hipsters that applied. Yeah. And I think he ends up giving it to April. He sold it to her for whatever was in her purse. It was like $6 and a pack of gum. And Jerry, Jerry's an asthma in inhaler. Hailer, which is now part of a real estate transaction. Yeah, you Jerry. can't get that back, Jerry. <laughs> Selfish. And then finally, as per the name of the episode... Yes. Um, we see Ben, who I believe just got fired from Sweetums. Yes, he did. And doesn't know. Because Leslie dumped all over them. Yeah. And doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. Yep. So he kind of goes into, let's call it claymation mode. But instead of claymation, he creates this nutty, complex, crazy, horribly complicated, nutty game called Cones of Dunshire, I think it's called. Yeah. Gets hired by Barney's accounting firm. They love him there. It's yes, like Ben <clears throat> finally came back to his home planet. Yes. And <laughs> then he quits. <laughs> because because Chris told him, you know what? I'm leaving. I think you should take over yeah. as city manager. 
which he does. Yeah, and he'd already kind of teed it up with the uh, the people who would have to approve it. So it was pretty much a shoe in. Right. And he right. had to say goodbye to Barney and the team once again. I gave this an 8.5 and you gave this a 9. Yeah, mostly because of the C story. I would have given it higher. It's just that the Ron story dragged a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I yeah. think in retrospect, I could totally see an 8.5 on this one. Yeah. What else we got? What's, mine's on, right. what's number 10? Number 10 was uh, Second Chance. This was our first producer's cut of season six. Mm-hmm. And our first in a while, as, as I recall at that point. Right. Um, you know, the A story you had titled as Will Leslie Run Again, which, uh, you know, not a bad title, I would say. but um, It's I think functional. It's functional. <laughs> I think in my case, I might have come up with a different one. Mm. Uh, Redux or Reflux, mm. I think was mine. Because, like you know, that. she's very, very upset about what's going on right Right. so ingrid deforest takes over leslie's seat on the council we met ingrid before she's from uh from uh, the the eagleton Eagleton people's area yeah Yeah, very hoity-toity and uh, does opera and things like that but she's kind of nice for an eagleton person she's very nice and like she respects leslie yeah yes very much so and uh, Dexart has yet another sex scandal Mm -hmm. so leslie considers running for his seat Mm. which the B story was Shark Tank, Pawnee Edition, dun, dun, dun. where Rent-A-Swag is finally sold to Dr. Saperstein. And, and Tom has to pitch meetings with Pawnee entrepreneurs about his new investment ventures. He's basically looking for something to do with this influx of cash that he's gotten from the sale of rent Right. Like yeah. one person said, here's a phone because. <laughs> it's a cell phone, buddy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a calculator and a cell phone. Right. And then the the last, uh, the C story you titled as Baby Gender. I had no creative juices left. No, that's okay. Mine was Baby Cravings. Mm. Only slightly better. Only slightly better. Yeah, only slightly better. <laughs> Dr. Saperstein asked Ann and Chris if they want to know their baby's gender. Mm. And they ultimately decide that they do. And then I think there's some funniness, funniness that ensues because they can't read his chicken scratch. You know, right. classic doctor right. writing. It becomes a Lucy skit. It's a little bit of a Lucy skit by the end. Yeah. And yet we gave this episode a 9 and a 9.5 respectively. That's right. Yeah. So. And I, I think we gave the same score, I want to say, for both the producers cut and the regular. Yeah, which is, you know, saying something because it's if you can make it a nine or a 9.5 with 21 minutes and also with 24, 25. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. What was next, Mark? All right. Episode 11, New Beginnings. Uh, again, three stories, which seems to be pretty standard. Um I, I like my title for the A story. I said, milk, milk, lemonade around the corner, stew is made. Because I'm like five years old <laughs> yeah. mentally. Hey, uh, it works. I think that's funny. Yeah. Basically, Leslie is no longer on the city council. She is now back with the parks department. She is having a hard time fitting in yes. to like her old role. Because yeah. things, some things have changed yeah. since she's been on city council. But the thing that hadn't changed was her. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Tom basically wants to take this uh, hot stew stand that's been around for a while, um, and he wants to turn it into a lemonade stand. Yeah. And he has a lot of good reasons for it, actually, and yeah. Leslie fights him on it. Um, the B story uh, I called Prank Sinatra. I like that. Where basically Ben is now city manager, and he's starting out. And, and April and Andy and Donna, I think... The intent is to say, you know what, we love you, dude, and because of this, we feel like we can do this. We're going to prank you and try to loosen you up, Mm -hmm. scare the crap out of him by having the cops haul him down to the station. (laughs) Andy tells him, you need to prank him, prank us back. Yeah, that's going to go fine. It 
Mm, <laughs> it went horrible, but so funny. Th- this funny. version of Ben is maybe my favorite yes. of all time. The C story is where Chris and Anne spontaneously apparently decide to get married, and then should we get married? And I don't know. Maybe we should get married, and are we in love? And maybe we're not in love. And yeah. Um, the funniest part was Jerry choking. <laughs> it really was. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to push it through with another saltine. It, it didn't work. It didn't work. Cracker dust. Um, I gave this a 9.0 on account of the cracker dust. And then you gave it an 8.0. Yeah. Cause of the C story. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, in fairness, I think that out of nowhere storyline, which is a little bit like the, let's have a baby out of nowhere yeah. storyline, kind of a theme with Anna and Chris stories. Yeah. Just bothered me, and I think I just wanted to reflect that in the score. I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. What's next, man? Uh, next up was Farmer's Market. We're basically about halfway through the season at this point, and uh, we both have pretty good names for the A story here. Yours mm-hmm. was Uncharted Territory. With a D. Yes, because uh, this is where uh, the— uh, The chard vendor. The chard vendor. I forget his name. He's you know It's hard to sell a vegetable like chard, so he, he goes to make it sexy. Yeah. Which you know made us both wretch a little bit. Mine was a charred day's night. <laughs> I like that even better. <laughs> yeah. But um, a vendor uses sexy tactics to sell charge, charred, Leslie, and then have opposing views and implement a firewall system that doesn't quite work. Right. They're trying to keep work and home life separate, basically. Right, right. Um, well, what's next? Sorry. The- and from there, the B story was my achy, breaky everything, which is one of my favorite titles of yours. Uh, and vents about pregnancy aches and pains during during wine and cheese, spelled W-H-I-N-E. That's right. Club. And uh, Chris learns to emphasize uh, with rather than solve her issues. Right. Which was great advice he got. Right. Um, of course, Silly Andy, Silly Songs Are For Kids. This is where Craig hires Andy to play at his nephew's party. Andy freaks out, and in the end, Johnny Karate is born. That's right. Yeah. We both gave this episode 8.5 Little Sebastians. Wasn't this also the episode where Ron is listening to his songs on the rectangle? No, it's a great rectangle. It's an excellent rectangle. Yes. It just plays the songs one right after the other. <laughs> And doesn't he eventually have to figure out, like, because he has to have mandatory, like, one-on-ones per City Hall rules. But it doesn't say he has to listen to people. So he just listens to Willie Nelson instead. Yeah. That was terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is terrific. Mark, what was after that? All right. Next one is a a touching, it's a heartbreaker. Yeah. Called Ann and Chris. There and the is. reason it's called Ann and Chris is on account of they're going away. It's about Ann and Chris. So it's I, I said that there are three stories. I may have been off on this, but but I said that the the first one is the kind of the 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 Leslie angle, saying that as a going away present, I think Leslie wanted to come full circle with essentially the issue that started the entire series, mm. the pit, which became Lot Forty Eight. Which then she got the lockbox. It's going to become Pawnee Commons. And before right. Anne left, she wanted to officially break ground on Pawnee Commons. Very, very nice symbolism there. Yep. B story, uh, perfect gift for Chris. Ben and the guys are basically trying to come up with something that is just as thoughtful as what Chris gave them, as like buddy boxes to show momentum, mementos of, of their relationship. And they end up giving him a buddy box of his own for his unborn child. Yeah, that was sweet, actually. That was. And then finally, speaking of sweet, saying goodbye. So, like, in general, throughout the whole episode, Leslie has organized a huge going-away party so she and the gang can enjoy one last occasion with Ann and Chris before they leave for Michigan the next morning. Mm. 
So I gave this a 9.5. You gave this a 9.0. Yeah, I think we both enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So next up was episodes 14, Anniversaries. Uh, your title for this one was uh, Come Together, which mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, the, trying to raise the public opinion about the merger, Leslie uses a 50-year-old Pawnee Eagleton marriage to symbolize and demonstrate how two towns can come together. Right. It did not go so well. No, it didn't. Because what she did not realize was that these two people hated each that other. That they're completely unlikable. Yes, and one was from Pawnee and one was from Eagleton. So That's right. So didn't really help sell the whole story there. Right. Um, the second one was... <laughs> Jerry that way. <laughs> I had a Beatles theme going. That's pretty good. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I like that. Yours were so much better than mine in this <laughs> episode. Uh, ben enlists Jerry to help him construct the perfect day mm-hmm. for his one year anniversary with Leslie. And unfortunately, because Leslie is so, you know, as she often is, ultra focused on whatever she's doing. The Pawnee Eagleton the, marriage. The merger, basically. Right. Ben doesn't even get to spend the day with her and ends up spending it with Jerry. Yeah. And comes up with a newfound appreciation for Jerry. I mean, he had a good day. Yeah. He had a great day. Yes, and Leslie enjoyed the pictures of him and Jerry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our C story finally was with a little yelp from my friends. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> April is the director of now Animal Control, which she created, basically invented as a division of smart. Parks and Rec. Very smart. Yeah. Uh, leaves an anonymous bad yelp review for Donna, chastising her about being absent instead of just dealing with her as a, basically as her boss. Right, because Donna's going to go Mjolnir on her ass. Oh, yeah. She... Donna knew eventually or pretty quickly that it was April, but she had some fun with her first. Yeah, she is messing with her. Yeah. Mark, uh, you you gave this one an 8, and I gave this one an 8.5. That's right. Wasn't this also the one where at the very end Leslie goes, you know what, even though I only got to see pictures, that was very sweet, and you did an awesome job. Yeah. And he was really excited on account, and he said, finally, I I win. I outled, and he's like, yeah, wait about there, Buster. Look what I got for you in your office. Oh, my gosh. When what did he get? He got the Game of Thrones chair. And he made the what? <laughs> like he, he about hyperventilated. And, and oh my gosh, we, we both commented on Adam Scott and this thing he does visually and <laughs> He's physically. brilliant. It's a brilliant. He yes. like collapsed at one point and then pops right back up. <laughs> and then he tries to get Leslie to go along with the whole Game of Thrones thing. Like, come hither. And she's yes, like, yes, my lord, your starship is not. No, don't, Leslie, don't, don't do that. Ruin don't it, don't, don't cross genres. What are Leslie. you doing? Uh, Mark, what was after this? All right, the next one is uh, the episode 15, The Wall. Um, three stories. First one, uh, dot your I's and cross your B's. Ah, very Womp, nice. womp. Leslie knocks down a Pawnee Eagleton fence because on account of she thinks that will be symbolic to say, like, you don't need a fence. We're merged and we're happy and stuff. But what are not happy were the bees that yeah. were that were unleashed. There were lots of bees. The fence had bees Leslie, in it. Leslie, how did you get those bees to attack the Eagletonians? <laughs> and then they think that this is an elaborate prank that she yeah. trained these, like, circus seals. Like, she trained these bees to attack on time. command. That's amazing. Um, this is also the one where we first meet Grant Larson. It is. And it's also the first time that she, that he offers her the job of running a branch of the National Park Service, Mm. which will continue to be a story arc. That is Um, The second story I entitled Chemicals Have Never Been So Sexy. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was good at the time. It's good. I was probably drinking some of the the lemon sum rum. Yeah. Um, 
Tom struggles to come up with a viable business idea when he's uh, accosted by a potential investor, Mitch Savner, yes. and says, you know what? You seem like a really cool guy and, and you're, you you're seem good smart. Ideas. G- g- give yeah. me an idea. And he's like, I will. And then he turns to Ben and goes, ah, Ben, help me. So actually, I think this is the first time that we hear he came up with an idea for yeah. Tom's Bistro. That's true. And then the sea story... Um, this is where Ron brings his newborn son, John Swanson, yeah. into work. And everybody hovers and fusses over him. And then he goes, don't care screw you guys. And then <laughs> he goes to the third floor with his son, John. And he strikes a deal with the construction crew up there to say, you all go home. Yeah. I'll do the renovation for you and yeah. I'll do it better. So yeah. go take a month vacation and get credit for my work. It's a win-win. Yeah. And they're like, see ya. Yeah. yeah. And then because he doesn't need anybody but John to help him out. It's true. It's kind of sweet. It was sweet. Sounds I, ridiculous, but it was sweet. I gave this one a 7.5, and you gave this a 9, which is, again, one of our instances of the largest yes. gap we'd ever had. Except we flipped this time. I gave it the better score. You gave it the lesser score. I gave it the lesser score. And I, and I think my, my thought on this one was I was just really enamored with the storytelling in this particular episode, as I recall, mm. and thought it was done about as textbook well as you could. Mm. Were the stories themselves great? I kind of see your, the point of your score, but I, I, I'm going to stand by mine because, again, I think in terms of the storytelling technique and talent, this is one of their best episodes. I mean, we've also we've often talked about the feels versus yep. the technical score. I think this, this is where we differ. I mean, certainly in the C story, it was there, if, not, if no other place. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. It's hard to not lo- love little John Swanson. That's yeah. right. What's next? Mark, next up was season six, episode 16, new slogan. Mm. Um, uh, and... Uh, your your A story was it's a slow gan. Ben's new website has an online poll for the new town slogan, and Leslie learns that a new potential job will take her away from the nitty gritty hands on stuff if she decides to take it. Right. And uh, knee jerk reacts by getting into the weeds regarding the new town slogan because you know Leslie. Yeah, she has yeah. a junket. She cannot help it. Yes, she's yeah. got junk all over the place. As a matter of fact. <laughs> But uh, the B story was it's nature. It's the nature of the bistro, which I thought was a clever title. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, didn't apparently write down any of my titles, <laughs> so I don't know mine more. Donna and April helped Tom to find a real estate location for Tom's bistro. And if I recall, in their own separate uh, misguided but sweet ways, they're both trying to blow this up because neither of them really want to lose Tom in the office. Well, I, I would say in, in a plot line, Worthy of two and a half men. Fair. They. they I'm bo- trying to be give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not. No. The, the, <laughs> but they 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 go. We would miss the little guy. Yeah. So we want to go. We know what we'll do. We'll sabotage his attempt. Oh, we shouldn't do that. Nope. Never mind. We'll wah, help. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The C story was Every Duke Has Its Silver Lining, another great title, better than the story itself, which was <laughs> where Andy discovers Ron is Duke Silver. Although yep. that's great. We've been kind of waiting for that because yep. at this point, really only April and, uh, well, really Tom. only April. Oh, Tom does know. That's correct. Yeah, I forgot about that. So now there's three of them. This is the third to know the secret. And uh, he tra- Andy tries to convince Ron to play the Unity concert and insists um, but Ron insists on keeping his alter ego. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just can't They'll do circle it. back to that idea later and we'll see what happens. But we right. gave the, at this point, we give this episode 7.5 little Sebastians across the board. 
a little bit disappointed in this episode. I, I think for Parks and Rec, yeah. I, I think 7.5 for this entire season was probably our lowest score. It was. And, and you gave it twice in a row, both on the last episode and this one. So I was still grumpy. You, you were still pretty grumpy. I was you still were, grumpy, You weren't yeah. feeling great. No, I was Yeah. This actually, it had some decent points. Like, this actually had a lot of crazy ire in the douche. Yeah. Which could be overused, but I thought they were actually pretty funny in this one. They were pretty funny. It still didn't save the episode. I know. Yeah. What was up after that, Mark? Next up, Galentine's Day. Hey, wait, we have an episode called that. We before. do, which is what? why we should call this Galentine's Day 2013. 14. Whatever it takes, Bob. Yeah, whatever year it was. Uh, it's the second one. The second one. Part duh. It's like um, a Friends episode. The one where it's the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> so there's three stories again. Uh, uh, I, I like my title. Meet the new Anne, same as the old mm-hmm. Anne, because yeah. take that. Um, Leslie, basically, she misses Anne. Sure. And she is using, or maybe misusing, Galentine's Day to try and basically interview all these potential uh, local replacements, if you will, for her bestie, the Manta Ray and Perkins. And I think this is also where Anne has the baby. Yeah. Um, that's below you, nope. That's right. Yeah. B story. Uh, now is the winter of our discount tent. See, that's pretty good. Brilliant, huh? Yes. Um. So basically, Ben and Tom and Jerry, they're trying to rent a tent for the Unity concert, and they get into fisticuffs nearly with a uh, tent monopoly owner. Harvey. Oh, I want to punch Harvey. Yeah, so Harvey needs to be punched uh, he does, right, right yes. in his Harvey face. Um, and then finally, not our Harvey. No, this no, Harvey. he's Tent Harvey. He's aces. <laughs> Something like that. A close. A little bit different Jokers. pronounce. Jokers, bit, maybe. A little bit different aces. pronouncing. Yes, yeah. You're saying it wrong. You get that? Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Um, the the C story is where Andy knocks his tooth out. Oh yeah. And reveals that he's almost. Kevin level stupid <laughs> and and, uh, and Ron drives him to a dentist and he realizes like Andy's lost yeah. Andy's lost in the paperwork Andy's lost on what to do next and he needs an adult assigned him at all times yeah I mean he had some funny individual moments but holy cow um, Alan I gave this an 8.5 and you gave it an 8.0 yeah that yep. sounds about right yep well from there Mark we had 6.18 prom or one of maybe one of our shortest episode titles yep. of the entire series. Uh, Mark, so our A story was Leslie versus Ron, the promised land. Yeah. Promised Prom- land. I see what you did there. Mm. I like that. Leslie and Ron clash. No, say it isn't so. It did happen. Over trying to proceed, persuade, rather, senior Allison Gifford, who we've met before. Mini Leslie. Mini Leslie. Well, Mini we? me. Hmm. It's, Good it's, point. It's a mystery it's for the debatable, ages. debatable. We yes. will never know. We will never know. Yeah. Uh, IMDb says we did, but uh, <laughs> to do a very different things for during her summer uh, internship. This is a classic, you know, Leslie and Ron. Well, Leslie and other person mm-hmm. was Ben before. Now it's Ron. Create havoc for youths and make Alan mad type episode. Yeah. But, but we'll circle back to the score in a minute. Yeah. Our B story was Ben versus Tom uh, on the wrong side of the tracks. I like that. 
Ben and Tom DJ the prom. This whole episode takes place at the prom. Basically, saying, yeah. yeah. And uh, they, they have different styles. Let's just say that. Yeah. And ironically, by the end, Ben has the better taste of music, according to the kids, which just devastates Tom. Oh, yeah. Which was pretty funny. He may not bounce back from he that. He may not recover, yeah. The C story, Andy versus April, Rebel Without a Goth. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> I got to give that one to you. Uh, Andy, uh, April does go to the prom with Andy, but is concerned about how different they are and, uh, you know, and how they love different things in general. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, they love are that matters, Mark, were each other. That's right. And that's really what we came down with. That's right. Mark, you get, you were a little sentimental on this one, probably because I'm going to guess of the C story and gave this a 9.0. I gave it an 8.0. Yeah, I was sentimental. I, I think that I, I saw the prom in the same way as I saw Ben's birthday party. It was a nice central glue to bring everything together. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. And it had one final nice, like, not final, I shouldn't yeah. say it like that, but it had a nice Ron Leslie mentoring session. And it also had yeah. Ron calling Leslie out and saying, you know what, dude? First time, I have yeah. a 10 point nope insanity scale. You yep. want to know how high this one went? I'm like, wow. 14. They, they yeah. cut right to it. Yeah, they did. Which, you know, good on them because we've been calling that out for a long time. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame we wait till 6.18 to yeah. finally talk about this. I know. Yeah. Well, Mark, what was next? It looks like another one of my favorite episodes you got for yourself. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it for myself. It's uh, 19, episode 19 of season six, Flu Season 2. Duh. 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 Yeah. Um, and um, I had, again, three stories. My yep. title was Chip McCap, more like Chip McCrap. <laughs> Subtle. Like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, they're trying to get a headliner for yeah. the Unity concert. And Andy initially gets a country singer. Uh, Chip McCap to be the headliner, but then Chip McCap backs out. So they take. You know why? Because mm. he had to get his haircut. Snip, snip. So <laughs> lousy Hicks. Um, and so they 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 figure we're gonna go to Indianapolis and talk him into doing it. Yeah. And then he's he's a butt. I mean, he's a jerk. You know, he's he's a butt jerk. And and look, he just wanted ham on his uh, his little sandwich. Just anticipate my needs. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> This is also where Leslie discovers inadvertently she thought she had the flu on account of she was yamleting all over the place. Yeah, but but not she's, the flu. she's pregnant. <gasps> yeah, slight spoiler. Well, it's not a spoiler. It already happened. The B story is where Tom and the grandpas um, all go to a local <laughs> winery because they're having a sommelier certificate competition. Right. And Tom's thought is, hey, I got a Tom's Bistro. I'm going to hire one of these dudes that's really knowledgeable about wine and stuff. And I'm going to hire him because it'll be really impressive. And uh, there are other people there that have the same idea and they have way more money than Tom does and it doesn't quite work Didn't out. But really he gets Craig. It, it, that is Craig, yeah. That's where he gets the sommelier job. Yeah, but he has to soundproof the back on account of Craig is crazy. It's Craig. Yeah, <laughs> Craig is Craig. Craig is um, Craig. And then the C story I called Blueberry Whiner. I like that. Because Ben apparently gets very mad when he finds out that his father sells their family lake house. He's venting to Ron. Ron's not a real fan of the venting. So he goes, here, shove this blueberry wine in your gob and that yeah. will make the words blocked. And Ben gets very drunk. Which very is, drunk. Which, which is very funny. Apparently blueberry wine uh, contents like what, 90% alcohol. Yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll make it'll your chiclet you. spin. Yeah. And then he walks home with Ron. And then they meet Ron Dunn on the way. And ben he just pops out of the woods. Yeah, yeah. 
Are you a ghost? <laughs> Am I? What is happening right now? <laughs> Sorry, I nearly went Marty McFly there. And then where Ben, or then that where Ben also realizes is is his spirit animal is a baby snow owl. <laughs> That's right. That's it. God, I did Marty McFly again. All right. Um, I love this uh, episode. I gave it a nine point five, and you loved it too, but slightly less. You gave it a nine point zero. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Mark, next up was episode 20, 1 in 8,000. Mm. And uh, I, I think this may be one of the only episodes with all the numbers in it. But, hey, what are you going to do? That's right. Uh, the A story we had is hitting triple cherries, which I, I appreciate. I think mine was, uh, I don't know. I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie and Ben learn that they are having triplets. Yeah. Ben freaks out. Yeah. Because, you know, taxes and costs and stuff. But Leslie is ultimately calm and confident and talks him down, which was kind of a nice change of pace. It was an interesting role reversal. It was. Which, you know what, at this point was really welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. liked it, actually. I thought it was well done. I agree. Uh, Donna's Tammy was our B story, which I think we both took a little bit of umbrage with. But in general, Donna, uh, you know, helps Ron at his daughter's school. And we're introduced to Donna's ex, Joe, who is super nice and mm -hmm. awesome. But Donna still refers to him as uh, his her Tammy. Because he makes her seem boring. Yeah. Because she doesn't more, like herself when she's with him. But not saying. for the reasons you would think. No, not the Tammy reasons. Right, right. So it's a little bit of a misdirect. And right. maybe they did that on purpose, I'm seeing in retrospect. Bastards. Bastards. Uh, the C story was Andy Dwyer and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> that is fabulous. Yeah. Um, mine was Johnny Karate's manager, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So um, Andy struggles quite funnily, or hilariously, hilariously, my notes say here, throughout the episode to keep up with Leslie and Ben's secret. Yeah. It was very difficult for him not to keep this secret and explode both at the same time. But yeah. he did it. He he actually managed to do it. He now, really did. He was a fountain of lies, oh, just trying to say anything yes. to yes. throw April off the scent. But yeah. he managed to do it at he the did. very last second. Yes. Mark, uh, on this episode, you gave it an eight, uh, which was incorrect, and I gave it the correct <laughs> score of nine. Fair enough. Fair enough. How? Uh, what was up? Is that our? Are we at, at the end of? This we are thing? at the super duper Two almost part. blockbuster All movie right. size producers Lay cut extra nougat better than ever super sized episode uh, season Mark, finale. This is gonna be sad. I have to say this though. What that is? I'm allergic to nougat. Well, it just happened too. Nougat's not real fond of you either, buddy. <laughs> well, that's how I'm allergic oh to it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it'd punch you right in the mush. Um, the the season finale which we just did, uh, moving up parts one and two. So like the season yep. premiere, this is a double size, although whereas the season premiere combined, I believe, was 43, which makes sense because usually episodes are 21 yes. and a half. You multiply that times two, yep. 43. Yep. This one combined was 53. 53. Ten Huge. more minutes of goodness. Yeah. Mm, it's like two and a half episodes basically. in length, basically. Yeah. So. I, I split this up like across both episodes into four main storylines. Okay. And I wasn't real creative with the titles, but basically it breaks down to... Mine were better. Yours are always better. It breaks down into Leslie's storyline, like Leslie's yep. future, because she has to decide, am I going to take the job or not? Yep. How do I break the news to the gang that I'm going to go? Am I going to take some people with me or not? Who's going to go with me? And then finally, 
could I have the office here in Pawnee? Right. And then at the very end, I think also kind of with this timeline, we have yeah. the fantastic time jump, which yes. I think we're going to talk more about later. Yes. yes. The second storyline. So that was Leslie's storyline. The second Leslie, one's yeah. Tom's storyline, yeah. which largely was about Tom's bistro. Yeah. He tries to rush a soft opening to please Mitch Savner, yeah. thinking that he can do this so he can like take advantage of the Unity concert. Goes horribly. It didn't go well. He's ready to give up, but April and Ron convince him to try one last time, yep. give the Unity concert after party, and he succeeds. Uh, third story I'll call Ben's storyline yep. where Ben and Andy go to Grizzle headquarters because they're giving free Wi-Fi to certain cities and they want right. to say, hey, how about Pawnee? They're pitching Pawnee. They, he finds out they play Cones of Dunshire. He beats them at it to secure free Wi-Fi and then later finds out that good old Barney. Barney yes. loves Ben so he much. He really does. He copyrighted it for Ben. In which his name, was yes. hugely classy. Because Ben had given it to them. They could have done anything they wanted. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And then I had the fourth story just overall as one of the huge arcs of season six, yeah. Unity Concert. Yeah. Yeah. So the Unity Concert's finally here, and there's tons of fabulous performers, and maybe, maybe the greatest song finale of all time. Yeah. Where we not only have great, you know, bands like you know, Mouse Rat, of course, right. the Decemberist, Letters to Cleo, yep. Genuine, and Duke Silver. Duke Silver. For the first time. Bobby, don't forget Bobby Night Ranger. Bobby Night freaking <laughs> Ranger. So now everybody in Parks and Rec knows that Ron is Duke Silver. That's fabulous. Um, this was a tough one, just like before, like for the season finale. We were, I think I gave this a 22 on the Mark rubric. It totally broke it. Yeah. But I think overall, we said if we had to score individually, we would give the first half a 9.5, second half 10. Yeah. I heard from Brass Mark, by the way, they finally Mm. decided on your punishment. Mm. Basically, you're going to have to take a bus to the headquarters all of season seven at this point. Sorry. All right. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, I I live here anyway. I don't have to take a bus. I I, I can't disagree with you, though. This was a very difficult one to score for lots of reasons. But yeah, I mean, 53 minutes combined. If I compared the 53-minute one to any other single episode, it would beat the tar out of it. Well, but sure. again, it's unfair. Yeah. Right? Well, it's 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 the culmination of many storylines. It's at the end of the season. Right. It's, there's been a giant ramp leading up to this moment. It's got everything. And, and it, it, quite frankly, it could have served as a series finale. Yes. We did make that point during our coverage. Right. Yes. Right, right. Exactly. So now we're at the end of this. Um, How do we score this thing? Well, I mean... I mean, you said you broke the rubric, but what was our official Little Sebastian score for the record books? Uh, I I said 9.5 for the first half and Ah. a 10 for the second, which was exactly, as it turns out, what we did for the season premiere. part one and part two. That's right. All right. That's our bookends. Right. Well, Mark, uh, thank you for that recap. That was terrific. I think that was good to relive season six a bit there. Right. As we uh, prepare ourselves for season seven and the finale of the the entire series. Wow, that's just so much to think of. I I know when we were talking about the the planning for this episode, you'd mentioned two interviews, and I know one of those we're going to talk about right now. This first one, I believe, was an interview that IGN did with Rashida Jones and Retta, kind of preparing for Anne's imminent departure at the beginning of season six. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, this was by Eric Goldman. Right. And uh, you can tell people about the article. What we will do, though, however, is we'll post a link to the actual article in the episode description. 
Yeah. So if you want to go read it firsthand, but we're going to do our best to kind of just do a high level recap of some of the salient points. Right, right. If, if you want to go look for it right now, for example, if you go to the Googles, you can type in IGN Parks and Recreation. Rashida Jones, Retta, season six. I know that's a lot of words, but if you type yeah. that up, boom, it comes up as the first hit. That's a lot easier than typing this URL. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So so here's just a, a quick overall summary of it. Um, it, it starts out, a critical darling with an adoring fan base, Parks and Recreation, has also had its ratings struggles through the years, always living a somewhat precarious existence in mm -hmm. terms of renewals. And yet, the wonderful comedy is now going into season six Thursday night, a benchmark few series overall ever reached, by the way, and will be the only returning show on NBC Thursday night comedy block this fall with Community Bench for later. But change is coming to Pawnee, as Rashida Jones and Rob Lowe will be departing Parks and Rec in the show's 13th episode this season as their characters, Ann Perkins and Chris Traeger, move away. On a recent visit to the set of the series, as they filmed one of the episodes guest starring Orphan Black's Tatiana Maslany, which we talked about, yep. I spoke to Rashida Jones and her fellow Parks actress Retta about season six, the show's durability, and the upcoming departure of Ann and Chris. Nice. IGN. Is it great for you being in the sixth season that there is so much that you can reach into in the past and moments and bits between the characters mm -hmm. that you can call back on at this point? Rashida Jones. Yeah, it's interesting to see what emerges because it's not necessarily the thing that you want it to be. It's just the thing that organically becomes a staple for the character. The reason I like this show so much is because there's all these things that are written and then people's true natures come through. So, like Ron Swanson is a libertarian and a misanthrope, but also Nick Offerman is a sweetheart and that comes through. Mm. Or Donna's weird, secret, shady-ass past, sorry, <laughs> sorry shady-ass present, uh, continues to surprise. That's fun for the writers. Every time it comes up, it's fun for them. Retta. There's that line in the last episode where everyone was like, I didn't know, and I was like, I didn't know either. I just found out when I read it. There are so many random things. Amy reacted for a second, but then she was like, there's so much that I can't even keep up with what's happening to you guys. And I was like, me either. Got to be honest with you. That's funny. I IGN. Now, Rashida, us fans, we're all in mourning over your imminent departure. It's going to be a sad time here in Pawnee. Can you talk about heading towards that story-wise? Obviously, there's a lot we can kind of infer from where your storyline is right now. Remember, this is right before Season 6 starts. But how much of that is being set up currently with what you're filming? Rashida Jones. I think the writers kind of are getting ahead of it. A lot of it's going to be about Leslie dealing with potentially losing Anne because there's an undercurrent of the show that is kind of a love story between Leslie and Anne. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's an undercurrent, actually. Maybe it's a hypercurrent. Yeah. So a lot of it isn't about the machinations of acceptance and friendship and loss. It's more about the psychological component of that. Mm -hmm. Retta. Will she survive it? Rashida Jones, yeah. Will she survive it? Yeah, which is she going to kill herself or whatever? But yeah, in a way, it's so great because it's the way humans behave and it's the way that towns behave. And that's mm. that's what the show's always been really good at is putting the reality into a space that allows us to be broad and funny. But it's always based in something real. That's why I think people respond to the show so well. Given the opportunity to have some departures, it creates some interesting drama for the relationships of that's the characters. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mark, I, I like that. I, I like the interview in general. I like the, the tone of it. But we, we've talked about the many ways in which they make Pawnee a real place. And I think this is one we might have neglected just a little bit. I mean, we talk about the tropes and the places and the people. But I, but I think the, like, the way it's written and the, the humanistic quality of it 
you know, you, you overlook that sometimes because right. it's so well written. You forget it's even there, and that that's a conscious effort they make in each and every episode, and it's what does set it aside from some of the least common denominator sitcoms that we occasionally complain about on this show. I would agree with yeah. that. So well, that's, well that's, that's that's a good uh, good feedback from Rashida. Um, so IGN, Rashida, how are you personally feeling getting ready to leave Parks and mm, Rec? Good question. Rashida Jones, mixed bag, mixed bag, sad. Like, it's bittersweet for me. There's a lot of things I'm looking forward to, but right now I'm just feeling the weight of the gratitude that I've had for the show in my life. I've had many tearful breakdowns pretty much every day, but this is my family <laughs> And I love them. It's an interesting feeling to love a space and love a group of people and love a job so much and kind of know when it's your time. Mm. It's a weird feeling. It is. IGN. Retta, what did you think hearing that these guys were going to be taking their leave? Retta, I did not know. And I was on my way to a producer's mm. meeting and I got a text from Jim O'Hare. And Jim was like, holy beep, did you read that Rashida and Rob are leaving? I didn't know what it was. So I was like, what are you talking about? And then I walked into the producer's meeting and the guy who I go to meetings with was like, hey, oh my God, yeah, I love the show. Oh my God, Rashida and Rob. And I was like, yeah, I just, where'd you read that? <laughs> and then I just kind of avoided talking about it. I was like, we're going to have to talk. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I kind of know what's going on. How are we going to break it down so we can all walk away without being brutally psychotic? Because mm. I feel very lucky. This is my first series. This is Retta. Yeah. Uh, this is my first series. So for me, I don't know if it's a blessing and curse because it's so great. I love the crew. Everybody, you know, it's such a good experience. And I know so many people who are on shows who are kind of miserable. Mm. I mean, grateful to have work but miserable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, bleep. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? I'm spoiled now. What am I going to do on my next thing? Am I going to have a good experience like this? Or am I going to wake up in the morning like uh, I have scenes with this one or whatever? So now I feel like that's already starting. The change is starting because, you know, they're leaving before the season's over. So it's really just trying to work your way through it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I find it fascinating that the cast, and Rashida even apologizes there, that they found out basically by reading it somewhere else. I know. That, that's, I get that there has to be secrecy and right. there's a reason for that. It's still kind of a shame to, that the cast had to learn that way though. Well, I'm especially uh, surprised by that because of how close they all were. I mean, I'm not saying that it was a crappy move necessarily. Maybe it was yeah. necessary, but it was just still kind of surprising to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And and we've heard from a lot of the, the interviews that we've been lucky to have on how even guest stars on the show would say, yes. this has been a great experience, yeah. and I have been on other shows where that has not right. been the case. They treat their guest stars like professionals and members of the family versus just somebody who's here for a hot minute. Right. And um, that is that's not the case everywhere. Right. And most places it's not the case from what we gathered. Yeah. Right. Last part of yeah. this interview yeah, that yeah. I'm going to read. IGN says, this show has such a beloved fan base, but there have been seasons where it was touch and go, whether it was coming back. And now you're in season six and you're going to hit 100 episodes soon. Does it feel like a sense of accomplishment at this point that this has obviously gone the distance? Retta. I would think so, only because I do feel like at the end of every season, we're like, I hope we make it back. Rashida Jones. Mm -hmm end of the season all the way through every season it's funny to me is what it is it just feels funny to me because we've never exhaled mm -hmm. on this show we never have from the first episode all the way to now we've never felt 
safe. Somebody asked me what it feels like to be the tent pole of Thursday night. And I was like, we're what now? <laughs> it's it's not it's so not how we felt we, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually it's probably good that we've never felt that way mm-hmm. in a way we're now like uh the star quarterback maybe but we've always and i'm not going to get into football metaphor because i don't know anything about football um but it's almost like we've been playing on a team so long and we're just trying to make it through the season like the literal season and the metaphorical season that someone's like oh you're going to win mvp and you're like what no i was just trying to stay on the freaking team so it's probably better that way because i think we've all been fighting for our lives and enjoying every single moment like it's the last and i think that's the way you're supposed to deal with your life and we were forced to deal with that way and i think that that's probably why we're all so close interesting yeah i i think i i remember there was a i think it was like 2019 2017 it was after the series was over they did a paley fest uh uh event and mike said basically the same thing they never had the assurance that they were going to have another season right and that's got to change your root behavior and just keep you scrappy the whole time oh yeah you know the, the fact they never got to rest on their laurels right so that's very interesting too. it is interesting so yeah and there's other parts of the interview but please go out and read it for yourself yeah. we just thought that that was uh, pertinent since yeah. we're kind of recapping no, season it, six it's good timing for that mark and I, and I think it was the first part the very first segment too i'm thinking back on it you know they were they also talked like we have so many times about having this big arsenal this big bag to reach into and you know callbacks right i mm-hmm. mean they're so lucky at this point to have those things and you know sadly they're about to give up a, a piece of that you know the anisms the right. criticisms right and that's a lot of isms that they've developed at this point with those characters literally they're, they're not literally in perkins <laughs> that they're not going to have in their bag for the second half of season six right or all of season seven right well one episode of season we'll seven, see but we'll talk about that later, so. <laughs> Well, Mark, thanks for sharing that. I, I think that was a really good, um, you, you know, helped me remember a lot about what was at stake in season six. Mm-hmm. And you, you forget by the end of it that a lot of that even occurred. You know, it, it was such a big deal when Ann and Chris left. But at the same time, you know, we're, what, six episodes past that now? Yeah. It's old news, yeah. right? And we're we, the Unity concert's done. We're fully focused. And I, and I won't say that it's like they didn't exist, but... They didn't dwell on it, which I think is probably smart. Right. Leslie still has her moments where she clearly misses Anne, and that's come up enough to make us not. It's realistic for Leslie. Right? I mean, they even had one callback in Galentine's Day, the yes. second one, four episodes after they left, where like right. you know, okay, Anne had the kid. Yes. Leslie went let's and visited see. her. You know visit. what? That's apropos. It was. It was nice. Yep. Absolutely. Well, hey, Mark, uh, let's get back into our in-depth really quick. I know we wanted to talk about kind of our overall coverage of season six in terms of scores. Right. Um, how did we wind up? I know we mentioned it. We teased it out a little bit in the breakdowns. But, like, what, where were we for the season? Right. Where, where, how did this season compare to previous seasons? Well, clearly, our scores are the most important metric of all. Well, duh. As, as our viewers were attest to. Um, for us season six in general so let me say it like this season three i believe is going to be the number one season yeah and i think that's pretty established it's almost a nine average yeah Um, and i've always said that it's still to me my favorite season right i i think i stood by what i said that season five was secondary to it but gave it a good run for its money so season five is a close runner-up season six fell behind season five so i'd say in terms of 
if you want to say ranking the yeah. seasons for our scores, this yeah. is in third place of the six seasons we've had so far. Interesting. Um, we we also mentioned that you know this season for us personally has been interesting because it's contained some of our greatest. Uh, largest disagreements to date score wise mm. we've seen our scores it used to be we'd always say we never differ more than a point yeah we do <laughs> we, we had a couple <laughs> where we differed by one and a half which for us was a lot um also i i just for fun i i, I got the average the average differential of our scores oh, okay. and our our average was almost exactly a half point really so we 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 had a little bit of a disagreement you know and a few but i mean not massive but still um, the, the, as we said before, the season premiere and the season finale were challenging to score because it was unfair to compare exactly apples to apples, but you know, we tried to break it down as best we could. All right. The only other thing I can think of to, to mention is, um, I think I liked season six just a smidge more than you did. My, mm. my scores tended to be just a little bit higher. Um, not much. Um, and it definitely flip flops sometimes. I, I think overall, I'm, I'm rounding here, but but if we took both of our scores combined for like, let's say season three, the average score was like 8.95. Right. For season five, which I think would I would say would come in second place, our combined scores were about 8.8. .8. Okay. For season six, which I'm going to say is going to come in third place, our average scores came out to about 8.7. Mm. So... You know, just kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, as I look at your notes here, Mark, and you did uh, some great analysis on this, which um, I, I think we could share on the website if anyone really wants to see this. It's pretty interesting to look at this from a mathematical perspective. But I think in my head, I, I always felt like, in general, I gave higher scores than you do. I don't think the numbers support that. I think that there were more episodes counting them where you gave it a slight edge but I think that there were a few where I gave a larger, higher uh, score. So by average, yeah. it doesn't really show that way. Maybe by sheer iterates. numeric counting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah. I also liked your breakdown here, the total, you know, for this season, you know, how many times did we agree? How many times we differed by a certain amount? And we already talked about, you know, there are two greatest differences of 1.5 little Sebastians. Right. We're both in this season, which is interesting. Yeah. And it wasn't that one of us was perpetually grumpy, like no. you might think. One time I I went low, you went high, yes. and the other time vice versa. Vice versa, yep. yeah. But an average, uh, quote, disagreement of 0.4, so less than a half point. Yeah, almost, 0.477. Whatever it takes, Bob. <laughs> I was rounding down. You that, round up? Good for you. We do it our different ways. I, I do the European <laughs> math. You, <laughs> you do new math, so whatever. Nice. You do you, Mark. So, well, that's awesome. Thanks for covering covering that. I think that's um, that's interesting to look back because you know I, I would say we we've joked about this a little bit. You have a very unique way of doing your scores. You have a rubric. You give us kind of a starting base score. You tend to build your score up. Right. I tend to kind of tear mine down, but in a maybe a less documented way. <laughs> I know that shocks everyone who's ever worked with the two of us together. But um, but at the same time, I mean, I think. And yet, we're not that far off. Right. So that right. is pretty interesting to consider. Well, I also like that you have a teardown model and I have a build up because I think it, it considers it from both perspectives. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? true. It might be a little more boring if we did it exactly the same way. That's right. Yeah, you do stuff the hard way and I make stuff up. So that's exactly <laughs> what we do here.
Well, Mark, before we wrap up this segment, I did want to ask you a question. So mm. I noticed the pattern and it's very curious to me. So we, you know, obviously season one, not great. Season two, better, but not yet there. Season three really was, I think, we, arguably the pinnacle of the series. I would agree. And we're, we're going to see what season seven does. Uh, had a great season five as well, though. So we've talked about like within a season, you might see like a big episode. You mm -hmm. might see a ramp up to it. And then once you kind of hit that high point, it's not uncommon for the next episode to not be a stinker, but maybe not as good predictably. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the series peaks, not the season peaks, but the series peaks. And I see a very similar pattern. Hmm. It's almost like they, they had kind of a, a ramp up to a great season three, a little bit of a dive, a little bit of a curve back up. Now we're going to take a little bit of a nose dive to in preparation to create this ramp into our finale. And, you know, they certainly did that by the end of season six. Like you said, this could have been a the, the 21, 22 could have the two parter could have been this series finale. It was so good. Mm hmm. So I'm just curious to see what happens next. I, I would agree with you. As a matter of fact, I think I said in our in our coverage of moving up parts one and yeah. two, if I was forced to consider this supersized, double-sized right. producer's cut, super-duper season finale, if I was forced to consider it as one episode right. and I was going to compare it to any other episode in the history of ever, yeah. I would say that beats the tar out of anything Parks and Rec has or ever will create like that mm. is my absolute number one favorite but it has an unfair advantage it yeah. has 53 minutes ladies and gentlemen well we have one more 53 minute episode before it's all said and done that so could be, be a contender for, battle yeah, the heavyweights it is and, <laughs> and i noticed too and we were preparing our, our our media for season seven i think we have two or three producers cuts yeah of the 12 remaining episodes so that's that pretty interesting right. too You'll so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into this. Well, hey, Mark, I know I mentioned a little bit earlier that you, we had two segments where we're going to talk about some of these interviews about the consequences and, and you know, kind of the structure of season of season six. I think the next one that you're going to take us through was with Mike Schur and Alan Steppenwall. And it was at the end of season six as opposed to the beginning of season six. That's right. That's right. Uh, we can put the link up uh, on our episode description yeah, as well, we'll for this. If you want to search for it right now, if you're the curious type, open the Google Googles and just put in Uprox, that's U-P-R-O-X-X, Seppenwall, Sure, season finale. And go. you type that in, it comes yep. up as the first hit. And you've referenced quite a few interviews with Alan Seppenwall. I think he's, yes. he's, we like the way he looks at Parks and Rec, but he's also, I think it's fair to say, somewhat like-minded to our, our way of thinking about Parks and Rec. I would agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is from April 24th, 2014. Again, as you said, Alan, this is uh, after the season six finale has officially happened. Mm. And um, this is through Uproxx, through Alan Seppenwall. And here's the interview. Parks and Recreation just concluded its sixth season in memorable fashion with the Pawnee Eagleton Unity concert, a trip to San Francisco, big cameos, and then a very crazy idea at the very end of the finale, which could give us a very different show in season seven. As usual, when Parks wraps up a season, I emailed co-creator Mike Shore some questions about what went down and why. It goes without saying that big, big spoilers are coming immediately. Alan Seppenwall. When, how, and why did you come up with the idea for this three-year time jump? 
Mike Schur. We were breaking the final batch of episodes and had begun discussing the finale story. Some of it was sort of predestined because we had the Unity concert, which was going to put the merger storyline to rest mm. by showing the town en masse would speak louder than the naysayers. And Leslie was going to accept the job, but figure out a way to stay in Pawnee, set up much earlier in the season by Ron's discovery of the third floor right. and the subsequent refurbishing of it. And then we had a conversation about the show's future with NBC. And we got a very strong indication that we would be back for season seven. So we turned our minds towards doing something that would inject another season's worth of story into the finale. That meant either re-breaking the main action in certain ways to make it more forward-thinking or doing something at the end that would shake everything up. And since we liked the stories we'd broken, we went with the latter. Interesting. I wonder if, you know, because we, again, we just mentioned it in the previous interview, and in our commentary as well, that, you know, they were always wondering whether or not they get another season. I wonder if this is the earliest they ever got an indication that there would potentially be another season because they mm. clearly had time to prepare for it. And, you know, they probably also knew that if there was going to be one, it was going to be the last. Right. And that probably created that special circumstance, is my guess. I think that that's probably yeah. true. I'll ask Mike later. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the next question. Alan Seppenwall. What percentage of the decision was made just to avoid showing Leslie and Ben dealing with baby triplets, mm. meaning the time jump? Yeah. And given the spotty track record of sitcom characters having kids, yeah, why did point. you decide to triple down on the experience? And was the triplet decision made before or after you knew you'd be skipping over a colic and night feedings? Interesting. Mike, sure. Yeah. The decision was made simply because we felt like Leslie is an overachiever and it seemed funny and overachievery to have her and Ben create an Insta family. That would have been my answer. It's the actual answer. Triplets was one step beyond the traditional sitcom plot of too much to handle and seemed a little more fun and crazy making. And when we researched it, we found that the odds are... About one in 8,000, which is the title of that episode, which didn't seem so nuts as to be implausible exactly. But once we committed to that, we began imagining ways to avoid repeating what we had already seen with Anne. You know, pads and foot pain and sleepless nights Mm. and so forth. And the jump forward allows us to avoid a lot of things that... I would imagine fans were fearing about Leslie getting pregnant in terms of the stories that we tell going yeah. forward. And that was a big reason why I liked it. That's brilliant. I mean, it was, it's hard to say it was the right decision, but it was the right decision. I think so. Yeah. So next question, Alan Seppenwall, prior to the time jump, the rest of the finale feels very much like a conclusion to the series. Leslie takes the new job. Tom's restaurant is a big success. Ron is now comfortable enough in his own skin to appear in public as Duke Silver. Ben meets Kay Hanley. And everybody sings the little Sebastian song one more time. Is the idea that you had taken this iteration of the show and these characters as far as you could and the only real way to keep things going is radical change? Mm. Mike Shure. I don't think it's the only way. The cast is so good, and the world keeps expanding and moving forward, I have no doubt that the creative team would have executed another another batch of good stories and interesting dilemmas if we had stayed in real time. But this seemed more exciting and challenging. <laughs> Plus, we'd already seen a lot of what the finale up to that point would have suggested. Leslie figuring out a new job, someone pregnant, etc. And now we get to see some new stuff. You know, I, that, that makes me think of something I wouldn't have otherwise, mm. and that... 
that you could look at the three-year time jump as like an easy way out of some of those things. Maybe, yeah. But boy, does it actually create the inverse problem as well, where those tropes and the things you've been relying on, you basically just wiped off the blackboard. Right. You're starting from scratch. Right. It's going to be harder to write season seven than it would have been without the time jump. It, it, I'm not it gives, sure that ever occurred to me. Yeah, it, you're, I, I agree with you. It gives you more flexibility, but you can't rely on the things that you did in the past as much. I mean, some of them, but, you know, right. not, not to the degree. They, they took a three-year nap. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so next question, Alan Sepinwall. How much have you figured out about the new setup, both in terms of what kinds of stories you can tell now that most or maybe all of the characters are working for the National Park Service? Mm. And what's happened to everybody in the last three years? Or did you just decide to put this out there and take a few weeks off and figure it out over the summer? Mm. Mike, sure. We never make these moves unless we have at least discussed the basics and have come up with a few plausible plans of attack for what is happening when we come back. That doesn't mean we know everything or even most of it, but we at least discuss paths we can wander down with all the characters. Amy and I had breakfast a week ago and I laid out the scenarios the room has discussed, who is working where, how everyone is doing, and so on, and we began what will now be a three-month-long trial balloon process where we figure out which balloon flies highest. They're all working at a balloon factory is what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, that that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me because I think overprepared Leslie is basically rooted in overprepared Mike is my guess in real life. I, I agree. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I'm glad to hear that they don't have it all figured out because I think that would that would take away some of the joy of writing it and potentially kill some of the creative networking and pathways that are going to come out of this. I agree. Interesting. Well said. Yeah. Next question. Alan Seppenwall. Other. This is a particularly interesting one, I think, Alan. Alan Seppenwall says, other shows have done time jumps before, mm -hmm. such as yeah, Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, Desperate Housewives, Lost, or done uh, major revamps like Laverne and Shirley or Roseanne when she wins the lottery or yeah. How I Met Your Mother spent a whole year in a we at a wedding weekend. Yeah very late in their runs. What do you see as the advantages and potential pitfalls of doing this? How different do you feel the show will actually be? Hmm. Mike, sure. The Battlestar Galactica move was my personal inspiration, right down to no. the way we shot it, which is the Parks and Rec version of Gaius Baltar <laughs> putting his head down on his desk and picking his head up off the desk one year later. I found that creatively thrilling as a fan, so that was our template. And while we we discussed the Laverne and Shirley version where everybody moves to Chicago with Leslie and mm. Ben, but as we discussed it, it didn't make sense that anyone would move with them, which is why part two of the finale is Leslie asking people to go with her and people refusing. Yep. The advantages are obvious. It's a jolt of creative energy. And if you don't jolt your show with a bolt of electricity every so often, it can get stale. The pitfalls are that it's a risk to shake up a world that fans have been invested in yeah. in a certain way for a yeah. long time. But we felt like it wasn't so massive as to violate the contract we've made with our viewers, as long as we're still telling stories with the same characters. Except that next season, four of them are Cylons. <laughs> that is so nerdy. I love it so much. Yeah. That, that's fascinating to me that that was an actual source of inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was I never dramatically that. fabulous as a Battlestar Galactica fan. So, right. Um, which I know you're probably shocked by, but anyway. <laughs> Giant yeah. nerd. All right. Um, we're finishing up. Next question uh, Alan Seppenwall. How do you feel the show changed without Ann and Chris? 
for most of the second half of the season? Was it easier because you had fewer characters to service or harder because you couldn't rely on Rashida or Rob to do the things that you were used to having them do? Do you intend to add anyone of note to the cast for next season? Or will the time jump bring enough change that it's not necessary? Mike Shore. Things certainly changed, and there were many times when we wished those two were still around. But this cast is so deep, and there are always people to turn to for story moves. And we had more room to develop some other characters who hadn't been explored enough. Mm. Uh, 2130 is not a lot of time to showcase the number of talented performers and guest performers on our show every week. It just isn't. Or even 43 minutes. There's like there's a whole mini plot in the finale where Ron and Diane concoct a way to get Jam and Tammy, two yep. of the most loathsome people ever showcased on television, to make out with each other, and we had to lose it for time. Which, Alan, you and I noted with yes. the producer's cut versus the standard cut. That's exactly right. So the silver lining to losing Anne's level-headed pragmatism and friendship, and Chris's boundless enthusiasm and manic love of the mundane, was that, for example... Donna got a boyfriend mm. and we got to, we got Keegan Michael Key on the show and, yeah. and Sam Elliott and Blake Anderson and the Decemberists and so on terrific yeah. I mean yeah I mean it's it's a balancing act but at the same time you know I'm excited about what they're doing that's new even though we're losing something that's a little bit precious and old right yeah right I agree Alan Seppenwall there are a lot of stories this year about how terrible the people of Pawnee can be, and Leslie took a lot of abuse from the citizens, from Jam, mm. etc. Is that material largely out the window now that she's working on a national scale? Or will the stupidity and fatness of the town still be an integral part of the show? Mike Shore. I'm not sure, but I think that we're more inclined to have Pawnee recede into the background a little. Leslie has always wanted to fix the town and make it perfect, and part of her maturation was learning that it's impossible. Mm -hmm. There is no perfect utopian town, 100% full of learned, thoughtful citizens who actively contemplate the interests of society. She came to terms with that slowly over six seasons, left the town better than she'd found it as per classic camping ground rules, and made the decision to focus her energies on bigger projects. The decision to leave her physically in Pawnee, though, means that she still can dip her toes in that water if we are so inclined. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's the best of both worlds, right? It is. They figured out how to do it. Too. Absolutely. All right, final question. Alan Seppenwall, getting back to the idea of having provided so much closure in the finale, what do you do with Ron Swanson from here? Yeah. He's happily married. He enjoys being a father. He does all sorts of things he would have been horrified to consider back in season two or three <laughs> and can even resist Tammy too. Nick Offerman is still Nick Offerman, but is Ron still Ron effing Swanson? <laughs> and if not, what role do you see him serving on the show now? Mike Sure. Ron will always eat bacon, drink whiskey, build things, hunt, rail against the government, fight for individualism and self-reliance, hide his gold, and reluctantly provide wisdom in succinct word chunks. But now he has three kids and a blended family and a wife he loves and who loves him for who he is. Mm -hmm. And if that didn't nudge him in a new direction in the tiniest bit, I'd personally find it sad. And he really has changed very little, all things considered. Of all the characters whose futures are undecided, Ron's has been on my mind the most, I think. I have an idea for his story for season seven, and I solemnly vowed that he is not going to become Eagleton Ron in any way, shape, or form. Brilliant. I love it. I love that, too. That's uh, It's exciting to think at one point we didn't know what that meant, 
Um, and I'm, I'm trying to not remember what I remember <laughs> so I can enjoy it even more. You can use some of my lemon rum. That takes care of lemon it. Lemon rum takes care of it all. Yep. But no, that's great. Th- those are great questions from Alan and, and great thoughtful answers from Mike. Uh, clearly, I agree. That, that's a, that's love that they were able to capture that. And we can read those things years later as we reflect on, you know, seasons one through six and preparing ourselves really for the final and last season, which is only half a season, sadly. But, you know, bang for your buck. We'll see what they do. That's right. Yeah. Well, nice job, Mark. Thank you for bringing us through that. Absolutely. Wow. Well, take a deep breath, Mark. That's it. That's a season six recap. Wowzers. We're ready for season seven. It's been a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, we hope you enjoyed this show. Mark Mark did a ton of work. Uh, Harvey helped a little too. Yeah, Putting little this bit. together. And uh, thank you both. I think you guys did a great job. And uh, we enjoyed doing this. Mark and I did. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. We really appreciate you. Uh, everything you do for us as you're our fans, our listeners, our fan. I'm sorry. Keeps <laughs> Singular. Put that S on Singular. there by mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our fan. Like Brick had his fan for the font. Cast that only lasted three episodes. <laughs> I, I just watched that the, the 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 end of that arc in the middle, and oh. uh, we're rewatching that as we eat dinner some nights. That's such a good show. Uh, everything you said about podcasting was so true. I know it really is. Yeah, which is fabulous. It was an insider joke for us, but. Um, <laughs> Thank you, as always. Please go out and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that, for the, especially for the long haul. And um, we look forward to seeing you soon with Season 7. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Episode eight, Mark, was fluoride. Mm. Excuse me. Coffee coming up. Speaking of Arbucks, <laughs> about the Arbuck into the mic there. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Look, it happens. What are you going to do? Wow. <laughs> Pretty sweet sauce there, Hayes. <laughs> yeah. It's all over the microphone now. <laughs>